Today's episode features Sean Rhodes of Bulletproof Selling. Sean has a profoundly unique background. He's been a consultant, a change management keynote speaker, a syndicated business columnist for business journals, and he's spent decades studying and living sales. Sean proudly served his nation as a sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps, and he and I talked through the parallels between serving and sales. I know you're going to love this unique conversation and perspective on sales and sales careers. So let's jump into the episode with Sean Rhodes. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. Hey everyone, welcome back to How I Sell. Today we have an extremely special guest that I'm excited to present, Mr. Sean Rhodes. Sean is somebody who knows how to make salespeople great. And I mean that specifically by eliminating the hope they have in their pipeline and focusing on things that will actually get the deal done. He's somebody who's published three books. He is currently the author of Bulletproof Selling. He's a former war correspondent and a former Marine. Sean, welcome to the program. Well, it's my pleasure, Danny. Thanks for having me, sir. Of course, of course. Before we jump in, reminder to our audience in season two of How I Sell, we're asking our guests the same five questions to get an apples to apples comparison on how you can perform better as a salesperson than the realities of the sales career. So Sean, before we jump into those questions, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who is Sean Rhodes? Absolutely. So I was probably the uh, most untraditional path possible as far as how I went from uh, getting into the, you know, corporate into the sales world. And I know a lot of your listeners are trying to figure out, uh, you know, where they want to be placed in a sales company, what sales might look like. I jumped to it with two feet first and not knowing when or if I was going to land. So I started my own company in 2013 and didn't know how to sell. And I had to learn it the hard way, almost going bankrupt a couple of times, but began to realize that a lot of the things that I had learned as a war correspondent, um, as a U.S. Marine, my job, uh, and I'm happy to fill everybody in on what that actually entailed, but running around the world, studying the highest performing teams on the planet. They actually taught me how to go into very stressful situations like a sales call and not just hope that things were going to work out. Put in the thought, the planning, the training, the objectives, all of that mapped out so that when I got on the phone with a prospect, finally, when I began to realize, hey, this stuff actually works, I could get results that peers in my industry after 30 years could only hope to achieve because they were still hoping they remembered everything that they had learned on every call. So for a lot of your listeners that are coming into the world of sales new, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about how do we accelerate our growth by not having to hope that we spend a decade or two learning things the hard way. Cool. That's awesome. Something that actually, and and I know we're just uh, catching up before the session, but something that I have been coaching folks on for quite some time is how to eliminate hope from their sales pipeline. It's something that I take to heart in think that is, is is critically important to success as a salesperson. The best salespeople I see are the ones that are just meticulous with not only screening in deals that will actually close, but ones mm-hmm. that won't and getting them out of that pipeline and getting it out of it, out of their, their purview as well. Yep. So let's jump in to our five questions. The first one, number one, what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? That's an awesome question. So some people have told me the best thing you can do is go work for somebody else as a salesperson, intern, shadow, 
learn that way. That's one way to go. Another thing that a lot of people do, and it's almost free, is read everything you possibly can about sales. The challenge with both of those methods is that it does not put you on the front line of the sales industry. Your goal is to get really, really used to hearing the word no, because the more you can hear that and the sooner that you can do that, the better you're going to be as a salesperson. The the chief thing that I had to learn as a salesperson was to seek out rejection as quickly as humanly possible. So even on my calls now, I'm trying to screen myself out. I opened a lot of my sales calls with, hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to be a good fit for you. This might be a complete waste of time for both of us. But if I can do just a couple of answers from you, we'll know if this call is worth continuing. And by doing that, sometimes I can screen people out very quickly. And the reason that's good is that I've got 20 other people behind them that I have to get in touch with today. So I'm actually looking for no as soon as possible. If a salesperson can learn how to do that, and that might be like trying to get as many phone numbers from uh, you know members of the sex that you're attracted to in, in a single weekend, it might be you know getting on a sales call serving a you know very uh, wide audience with a, a very well known product that's just very transactional. Whatever you can do to hear the word no as often as possible is going to be a great way for you to get your feet wet. Because if you can get over the ego hit, this may be the career for you, and it can be a lot of fun to learn how to guide people to saying yes. Yeah, this is great advice. It's great advice. Get used to rejection. It's something that you're honestly, you're just not taught coming up in school through your education at all really is like how to bounce back from rejection. You have to almost learn that on your own. And you've given some good concrete examples of how folks can do that, even if they're not hearing it often. In school, you're kind of coddled along, right? It's like, yeah. how can I get you to the best possible grade or the best possible result and you know, avoid that that F or that D or even a C, right? And make it so easy to get the, the A or the B. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's something that, that you don't really learn. I want to fail fast. And uh, the key to being able to fail fast in the field of sales is having those other prospects that you know you're going to reach out to. A mistake that a lot of salespeople make if they're not handed a list of high quality prospects is they have to just hope that this next call is going to convert because I've only got maybe three or four people to call on today. That's a lot of pressure. I'd rather have a hundred people to call on and try to burn through that list as fast as humanly possible because there's research involved, there's objective setting, there's a lot of great pre-call planning techniques and tactics we can get into. But if I don't have more people to call after the next call, I'm going to be very nervous. And I've made more than 12,000 tracked sales calls. I still get nervous if I only have one person, one chance of closing revenue. I'd rather have a lot more. So fill your pipeline and make sure that pipeline is flowing, which is, I know, something you teach in your courses. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, just uh, optimize for those many, many shallow conversations to get to the ones that are serious. Well, question two, what is the biggest surprise you experienced early in your career and why? And I imagine this will be uh, a bit out of left field because your career path took so many turns to get to sales. So I'm excited to hear this one. Absolutely. Well, we could go with the idea of being bulletproof. So this is probably one of the most impactful lessons for me. And I got it because I was following these teams into houses in Fallujah, Iraq in the spring of 2004. These folks were responsible for clearing out these houses, which means four or five Marines stack up, they kick down a door and they go rushing in with their weapons. Now, if you've ever seen a war movie, you've seen this, so you can picture it where a group of Navy SEALs or something is in a building and all of their weapons are moving independently of one another, but covering all the angles. That's what I saw time and time again. And these Marines weren't doing that because they were brilliant or because they were suddenly, you know, like one mind meld. It wasn't a Jedi trick. It was because of the training they had been through. See, these Marines were largely bulletproof. They could go into a building that would, you know, most of us wouldn't walk out of. 
because uh, they're facing very dedicated people that want nothing more than to hurt them. But they were able to come out time and time again, not because they were bulletproof, but because of all the times their predecessors hadn't been. Every single time a Marine is injured in, on a combat mission, they debrief that and they say, what did the Marine do? Where did he step? What happened? How could we prevent that in the future with our training? So I began to realize in every one of my sales calls, I had an opportunity to do that. If I just took a couple of seconds after every call and asked, what went right about that call? What could I have done better? And knowing what happened, and I could rewind the clock, what would I choose to do differently? And instead of just thinking about that and hoping I remember next time, no, I would build that into my call script. I'd build that into my objection turnaround flow and all the things that I know you have set up for your students so that the next call, I could learn from the last one. And not just hope that I remembered what I learned, but it would actually be there in front of me, a guiding path for me to follow. When I began doing that, the world opened up to me because suddenly it didn't take me 30 years to actually implement what 12,000 sales calls might normally do for someone in the sales industry. It was immediate, immediate improvement, immediate objection turnarounds that I wasn't able to use five minutes ago because they just go research. It's all on the internet. You could Google a lot of this or you could go to somebody that really knows what they're doing like yourself, learn it from the masters and be able to get better quickly. Yeah, that's great advice and something, again, you're not taught early on in your career is how to establish this rapid feedback loop and how to quickly test and test mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And what you did was really unique. You applied what you learned in a totally different field into sales where both are, are critically important, but it is important specifically when you're going outbound and when you're having cold calls to write down the objections you hear, write down uh, when you spoke or when you started with a different script versus one script versus a different script. So pertinent advice and I think something that is often over overlooked because you kind of just jump in and especially in an early career sales person as, as like, I got a hundred call, cold calls to make. I'm just going to dial down this list and hit that number. And it's important to look up, especially, you know, after each call or even after each day and say, what did I learn today? What was, what was working when I was using a specific script? What wasn't working? How can I assess and move forward? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's possible to do that with your individual prospects as well, especially if you're building a high quality pipeline. Something that we noticed our intelligence officers when they were going after a high value target, they didn't just have one or two pieces of information on the man or woman that they were sending us out after. They knew what they had for breakfast. They knew when they were born. They knew the color of their children's eyes. They had all of that lined off on a wall. So we knew what we were looking for when we went out looking for that person. Well, you look at the way that salespeople sell, they might know one thing about the prospect as in maybe a name, maybe not even a phone number. But the more that we can learn about a prospect before we reach out to them, the better prepared we can be. And as we reach out to them, to have that list of questions in front of us, those discovery questions that qualify your prospect, point to need, that allow you to establish what value they're looking to get out of this interaction in your company or the product or service that you sell. The more of those questions that you can answer on a call, the further down a pipeline you can move a prospect until eventually they're ideally positioned to buy from you. Maybe not because you have the cheapest product or service, maybe not because it's even the best product or service, but because you've taken the time to learn more than any other salesperson is willing to invest. Yep. I love it. And uh, it's, it's, it's easier today than ever to get that information mm -hmm. and people just don't, don't do it enough to just even a simple Google search, LinkedIn, check yep. out a news article that they've written, check out a blog that they posted. They're social, you know, they're, they're, they're humans just like you and me. And uh, a lot of folks just forget about that and look at the name on the list. Awesome. Well, moving on question three, what is one mistake you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? One mistake I made early in my career was following the advice of a lot of people in my industry, which was wait for the referrals to come in. So for entrepreneurs, for small business people, and for salespeople, 
you look at the senior people in your industry and it doesn't seem like they have to do much outbound at all. Emails come in, phone calls come in. It seems like all these people do is just sit there and wait for the phone to ring and cash checks. You might be able to get that done after 20 or 30 years, but I'm in the early stages of this. My bills are due every month, but the revenue wasn't coming in every month. So I had to realize I cannot sit there and wait for success to happen to me. I have to go out there and find it. And I began to learn that even these people that look like they're doing very, very well off of referrals, well, that system works until it doesn't. And what it causes is a feast or famine revenue cycle, whether they're captive sales agents or independent sales, whatever it might look like. And that a lot of revenue might come in, but then the phone's ringing for a period of months or years even, and then it stops. The email stopped coming in, the phone stops ringing, and suddenly revenue stops as well. So what they had to eventually learn to do is either live with that feast or famine, or what I had to really decide, because I wanted more revenue, right? I wanted more sales. I had to take the opportunity to say, all right, I need to make time each week to add new leads to my pipeline, qualify those leads, and reach out to them using every communication method available. I joke sometimes, Danny, if, if, if carrier pigeons hadn't gone extinct, I would be tying notes to the legs of little birds and sending them out the window like Game of Thrones style. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yep. just to make sure that I was you know, navigating that communication channel as well. But that was really the biggest thing that I probably, you know, mind altering thought process there. I can take the initiative on my own success in the world of sales. I don't have to wait for it to come to me. Yep. I love it. Uh, another thing you're just not taught in school, right? It's yeah. all scripted, right? Your curriculum is scripted for you. You are put in a position where you're going to achieve the next level. You're graduating. You know, you're, you're, uh, after you graduate, you go to college. After you go to college, you get the job. But none of it really is. You get to determine what things are available to you. And I think with sales, you get hit in the face with that right away, right? If you're not going to put in the dials, you will not have success. If you don't send a bucket of emails, if you don't prospect if you don't build a list you're just not gonna you're not gonna succeed so that that realization is is very very critical and i think changing maybe a bit now but even the folks that are well established have earned that right they've built that book of business on their own they've come up through the ranks they they had to hustle to get to where they are very few people are just thrown a massive book of business can rely on any sort of referrals yeah, absolutely right. So I'd much rather take the initiative and it's sales. The reason I love it so much is because it's one of those rare careers where you can get out of it what you put into it. If what you put in is getting better every day, just like yeah. my, you know, like you got a lot of listeners going to the gym, right? Home gym, or, you know, you're hitting the gym in the neighborhood. You ain't getting any bigger if you ain't going to the gym. And just like with the gym, if you don't press those weights, if you don't get on that treadmill and you don't eat right when you're at home, Uh, mindset is a huge part of sales that I know you teach about as well. And that I need to make sure that I am so firmly entrenched in the value that I know I can deliver or the product or service that I sell can deliver that I'm willing to interrupt whatever anybody else had on their schedule that day. Unless you're about to take your daughter to her dance recital, my call is more important. Yeah, because I know the impact that I can make in your business and in your life. And I've got to walk into a conversation knowing that otherwise it's very passive. Uh, I don't know if you have any time right now. I'm really sorry to bother you. I I know you probably didn't have this on your calendar, but I'm wondering if I can get just a couple of, no, I'd hang up the phone. Uh, But if you show up and it's like, Hey, this is going to change your life because I know enough about you to know that you were really good fit for this couple of minutes with me. We'll know if we should keep talking. And if so, I think you're going to see the same results that a lot of our clients have. And you, this best phone call you're going to have today. I think you're you're uh, you're circling around the same kind of theme with that um, elimination of the fear of rejection, the 
mindset, the realities, it's all kind of like a confidence thing. And you have to be able to get to that point by it's all self-fulfilling, right? By making those calls, by getting the rejection. So you feel comfortable saying like, this is the most important thing for you today. And I know that because I've said it and helped so many others, right? It's just like it all feeds itself. Yeah. And if you haven't helped that many people, if you're brand new to sales, like I know a lot of your listeners are, uh, then get with the people, the senior salespeople in your company and get some of those ideas. Like walk me through the, the sales cycle. Once this product got delivered to this client, how did it change their life and their business? And even though it wasn't your testimonial, you can still leverage it to say, well, someone in your position, Bob, similar company, similar situation, similar life circumstance, used our service, used our product. And it yep. changed them, changed them for the better. So even if it's not your sale, you can still go get that, those testimonials, if you will, and begin to leverage them. Yep. I love it. Question four, who has had the greatest impact on your career and how have they impacted you? And if you don't want to specify somebody, maybe talk about the situation. Wow. That is a great question. Okay. Um, we'll talk about a situation because there's way too many people for me to name to say, you know, that person really influenced the trajectory of my life. So we'll talk about a situation. I was in Iraq in 2004, constant combat. Um, I had one of those jobs where we kind of knew when the next firefight was going to happen. And it was my job to share the stories of what those Marines were doing on the field. So they would get me into a helicopter, into a Humvee and send me to wherever the next firefight was about to kick off. So it was a couple of weeks of constant combat. I was exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I finally made it back to our forward operating base because I have to use the internet to get my photos and stories out. And somebody had delivered pallets and pallets of books as part of a a goodwill effort. All the libraries in America got the word that Iraqi kids needed something to read besides books about Saddam. So going through these stacks of books, because I love to read, and I realized there were a couple of issues with this project, these books being there. Most of them were romantic fiction with like pictures of half-naked Fabio on the cover. Um, And that wasn't going to play well in a conservative culture. The other side of it was most of these people didn't read English. That was also going to be fun. But in the middle of this stack of romantic fiction, I found a book that changed the trajectory of my life. And it was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. One of the first habits is you cannot impact what happens to you. You can't always control your life events, but you have absolute control over how you respond to them. And in the middle of the most difficult situation I was ever going to be in in my life, where death was knocking every single minute of the day, I realized I can't control any of that because I'm here, but I can control how I respond to it. And when I began to leverage that into the field of sales, I can't control the rejections. I can't control whether someone's in a good mood or a bad mood when I call them, but I can control how I respond. And through doing that, it's amazing. You have the ability to impact the lives of the people that otherwise might have had a really crappy day. You show up present, you show up in a great mood, you show up knowing you can help them. It's amazing how your responsiveness can turn someone else's world around and make the sale. Nice. Awesome. Awesome advice. Great that you got it from from that book to one that I read a few years back. And, you know, I think I think this is something that is important for early career salespeople to internalize and also uh, even even late stage salespeople you know especially when you're working with startups or at startups like you're just gonna get hit with all the crap and it really is how you how you respond to it you can't always control what other folks are gonna say other situations but yes again your attitude the way you respond is critically important to not only your success or results but even your emotional success, your mentality success, all critically important. Yes, sir. Awesome, Sean. Last one. Uh, 
We ask all our guests this, both season, season one and season two, if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you were entering your career and why? I would say create a system and begin testing it. So the challenge I had as an entrepreneur and as an early stage company salesperson was that I was trying everything and failing at all of it. And when revenue did show up, I didn't know, was it the phone call I made? Was it the email I sent? Was it the meeting that I set up? I had no idea. Stuff was just randomly happening to me. And I thought to myself, wow, this is no way to be able to predict revenue. And speaking with these enterprise level salespeople that had been in the field for 20 or 30 years and working for these big companies, they could tell me almost down to the dollar what they expected to close that week, that month, that quarter, and that year. And I thought to myself, how are they able to do that? Because we're both selling stuff. We're both human. Um, they don't have access to artificial intelligence, even if they're on a fancy version of Salesforce. They're still just working numbers. How are they able to do it predictably? Well, it's because they were doing predictable things. They knew how many prospects they had to reach out to in a week to achieve a certain number of meetings. They knew how many of those meetings they had to host to achieve a certain number of proposals. Certain number of proposals had a certain close ratio. And they just worked the math backwards. I began doing that for myself. And it starts with, I need to have a prospecting system. I can't just, you know, lob a phone call out there and never call that person again or send them an email or a LinkedIn message and hope that they got the message and really want to get back to me. I had to get them into a sequence, which I know is something that you teach. So I would have told myself, set up a very simple process, five steps, 10 steps, whatever it is, qualify a prospect and then run them through those steps, the phone call, email, LinkedIn message, send them a card, you know, all the things that we know how to do as salespeople to conduct outreach. If I would have done that sooner, I would have closed a lot more business a lot sooner as well. Awesome. Great advice. You're right. We teach that quite directly in our course, how to develop your personal sales process. And that is one of the critical steps we cover is how to make sure that you are setting up the right testing ground so that every interaction you have can be evaluated and how you can take ownership over that goal and break it down into mini goals so that you can achieve, you can overachieve your quota. Well, Sean, this has been great. Our our crew, our audience is going to love this. You've dropped so much knowledge on folks, especially for folks coming out of school, looking at their first sales role, evaluating sales as an opportunity for them. Where can people find you if they want to reach out? Absolutely. If you can go to the website, bulletproof-selling.com or bulletproof-selling.com, uh, there we have probably, I don't know, at least two or three dozen sales systems, just like the ones that we've been talking about today. Everything from how do I find prospects all the way to how do I generate more referrals after the sale closes. Uh, the book Bulletproof Selling uh, is what we wrote to encapsulate all that. How do you systemize every area of the sales process? It's great for salespeople as a guidebook, a, a map, if you will, to be able to sit down and begin implementing immediately. And we also have a podcast as well called Bulletproof Selling on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon. So feel free to check that out as well. Awesome. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, to summarize everybody, you know, the right attitude, the right process, the right system will allow you to be an exceptional salesperson. Uh, Sean, we appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on our podcast and we hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to The Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, The Ramped Platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.